My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris, Jr. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris, Jr. And today, friends, I have the honor and the privilege of having one of my favorite congressmen. I love to hear him speak. I love to see him in action. And I love to see him, uh, I love to see his perspective on the nonsense and the craziness that's going on right now in the uh, public arena, in the political arena, all of it. It is my pleasure to introduce Congressman Matt Gates. Matt, my brother, how you doing today? I'm great, man. You know, I uh, love hanging out with you when we're in D.C., but good to be on the podcast. Uh, I know a, a lot of folks uh, get the real news here. You know, it's good to cut through the fake news sometimes. And gosh, when we look at this election, there's a lot we got to talk about for sure. There absolutely is. And I love your perspective. Plus, you always get the behind the scenes stuff. You get it before most of any of the rest of us get the information. And especially if individuals are watching the liberal mainstream hack media news, they're not getting the truth at all. They're getting something that's pretty much uh, one sided garbage nonsense. I at least try to deliver the truth. But there's a lot going on, especially in Georgia right now, this entire election debacle. Just give me your overall feelings on where we're at with this debacle I've been telling my audience, my viewers, my followers, it's not over. It's nowhere near over. I know there's new information coming out of Georgia. Where are we at right now, Congressman? Well, as you know, David, you know, the media wants us to believe that these thousands upon thousands of ballots that were willed into existence uh, at times days or weeks after the election uh, don't require the additional scrutiny that some of us might think is necessary to ensure that we've got integrity in the vote. Just yesterday, there were additional discrepancies found in Georgia, not errors with like tens of ballots or hundreds of ballots, but discrepancies in the thousands. And that was just with three counties. And now we're getting updates today that as additional counties are being reviewed through this audit, there are additional uncounted votes in Georgia. I don't know if they like lost them in the Okefenokee swamp down there or what, but uh, it to me is central because if we can flip Georgia back into the president's column by showing that there were vote discrepancies, it tears down the whole veneer that these were elections on the up and up in every circumstance outside of the purview of our review in other places. And I know, David, you saw what happened in Wayne County, Michigan, where yes. the votes didn't match the registrations. Now, in even the most rudimentary audit, you would want the amount of votes to match what you had as far as registration. And when it didn't, Republicans said, well, you know, we shouldn't certify this. And you saw that they were then called racists for like hours upon hours. They were threatened and they yeah. caved, you know, they caved and they said, well, we'll certify this. And then kind of later go back and look at the fraud. That is no way to fight what we are seeing. If we right. allow this fraud to persist without fighting it, uh, I don't believe it's just the 2020 presidential election that we're throwing uh, the towel in on. I think it is the future of our politics because we'll, as conservatives, we'll never be able to win another national election if there's not integrity to ensure that the person who is supposed to vote that ballot actually votes that ballot. Yeah, I've been saying the exact same thing. This isn't just about 2020. This is about the future of America. 
uh, if the Democrats get away with this this time around, and then obviously all eyes are on the two Senate runoff uh, races in Georgia, um, if the if the Democrats were to get those two races, what would take place if they controlled the Senate? If if Biden got away with this steal, what would take place in our country that would be the ultimate end of democracy? Democracy. Well, no, know this. Georgia is all that stands between America and socialism, because if they get the votes in the Senate as a consequence of these Georgia races, there will be nothing to hold back the radical woke-topian left. You will see the policies of San Francisco and Portland and Chicago metastasized around our country, and you will see our people suffer as a consequence. And so that's why it's so important. And, you know, some specifics, I think they will really get into redistribution of wealth. I think that is going to be central to uh, their plan if they were able to flip the Senate. And, you know, with with Biden, you already see the tell as he talks about coronavirus being, you yeah. know, the alpha and the omega of, of his potential presidency. And here's what I think they would do, David. I believe that one of the first bills under a potential Biden, you know, presidency, a potential Democrat Senate, two things we're fighting hard to make sure don't happen. But if that were to happen, they would take the stimulus payments in the coronavirus legislation and they would make them permanent. They would execute on a universal basic income wow. where people would get paid from the government without working and they would do it under the veneer of coronavirus. And that would be the introduction to socialism, the government, big government taking care of you. People already don't want to go back to work in certain areas where their checks are actually more than what they were making. So uh, big government steps in. We're going to take care of you. We need more control. Now we need control of the businesses. We need control of every aspect of, of society because we know how to better take care of you than you do. And uh, there we're in socialism. And then right behind us, obviously, communism. Sure. I mean, as we know, communism is the government control of the productive sectors of the economy. And Joe Biden has talked a great deal about wanting to utilize you know, the powers of the presidency if he were to ascend to that role to try to nationalize more productive activity. It's quite literally the definition of communism. And again, like the coronavirus will always be kind of like the quote unquote reason. But the real desire here is to try to ensconce these socialist policies. And, you know, David, we know that in America, what makes us special is that we have the ambition edge yes. on the world, right? It's not just our geography. It's not just our climate. It's the fact that in right. America, people want to do more. They want to create, innovate. I mean, you'll remember when Dr. Fauci was telling us we weren't going to have a vaccine for 18 months. And now we yeah. got two of them in less than a year because of the power of that American innovation. And my yeah. concern, particularly to this younger generation, is if you tell us, well, here's the deal, whether you're productive or not, whether you're successful or innovative or not, the government is just going to send you a check. Uh, I think that really starts to cut away at, at what is so unique and prosperous about our great country. Yeah, I absolutely agree, uh, Congressman. It is what makes us unique and it's what's made us great. Uh, the opportunity that we have to create, to innovate, uh, to be our own bosses. I started my first company when I was uh, 18 years old and uh, was wildly successful in that. And I've been on a journey of, of that ever since. I cannot imagine if Democrats were to con get control, Biden was to become uh, the president and the Democrats controlled the Senate. I can't even imagine how hard it would be. It's already hard enough with businesses just trying to conduct business underneath this pandemic. Then you've got Democrat governors and mayors that are issuing, issuing these absolutely draconian measures saying, oh, you need to stay shut down. Uh, wh what is your take on these on these Democrat governors mayors that are issuing these absolute uh, just tyrannical orders 
of keeping people's businesses shut down. They're non-essential yet liquor stores, weed dispensaries, those are essential. And then you see things like, um, Gavin Newsom out in a restaurant, a very expensive restaurant, French Laundry. I know exactly where that's at in Napa without a mask and without social distancing. Well, uh, you know, depending on how some of these recounts go, we may need the weed dispensaries and alcohol places open more than we might originally think. <laughs> but, but look, I mean, I never thought I'd live to see the day when Democrat politicians would try to cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, yeah. these people believe they have so much power that they could tell you which of your family members you're allowed to hang out with. Like, what's next? Wow. Are they going to try to tell you what has to be on the menu for Thanksgiving? You know, you can't Probably. carb load. You can't have grandma's, <laughs> you know, uh, pecan pie. I mean, it is it is crazy to me that uh, they have no humility as government leaders to understand that in this country uh, we allow our people to have the information, the uh, tools to make their own choices. And you know, you talk about essential businesses, it's just so degrading to anyone who's ever been an entrepreneur and started a business to tell them that their business isn't essential. You know, yeah. you know as an entrepreneur, it, it is Absolutely. your life. I mean, you pour everything you have into creating and nurturing and honing a business and dealing with viewers, customers, those you interact with. And then to just say, well, like we've decided through no fault of your own that your, that your business is illegal, that your job is illegal. It, it is crushing to the American spirit and we should not allow it. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't be smart, use sanitation, develop right. testing, you know, do everything we can for cures and vaccines like the president's done. But I fear more and more that Politicians just want power and they'll use any excuse to try to harbor that power and to use it for their own benefit. And the coronavirus doesn't appear to be an exemption from that typical dynamic, especially in these in these left wing cities. I mean, look, I'm here in Washington, D.C. right now, David. I mean, it yeah. is hard to to even find a place to go grab a sandwich here. And you wonder about wow. all the all the people who made their living um, in a lot of those blue collar jobs who are who are now having to have diminished lives as a consequence of these reactionary policies. You know, it, it is such a sad thing. And you were talking about excuses. I'd love your take on this excuse of Gavin Newsom when he got caught. Mind you, when he first got caught, he didn't know there were pictures. He said, well, it was outside. Then it came out that it was actually inside. They had closed off the area that he was in. Here's his excuse for what he did. And as soon as I sat down at uh, the larger table, I realized it was a little larger group uh, than I had anticipated. Uh, and I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. The spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted. And I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you. He wants to apologize for us to to us. Do you think that that's candid at all? What any at all whatsoever? Like it's just so sad to me that like this is where we are right now, where we're out like mask shaming each other, where we're having to endure the hypocrisy of politicians who yeah. say one thing and do another regarding their own orders to constrain the rights of other people. Like I, I just think we have so many better things to be doing than sitting around like, ooh, well, were you inside or outside? Were there seven people at the table or eight people at the table? This is a great dynamic country with yeah. real challenges and real opportunities. And if we spend our, our time on this nonsense, I think it really falls below the dignity of a great nation. Well, I do, too. I, I'm from California. I moved out of there last summer. You're a refugee. My family You've are still there. Um, a lot of my friends are still there. And I'm hearing I'm hearing the stories of individuals, veterans that whose businesses have been shut down. They've lost their income. 
They don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. The so one friend of mine actually shared that one veteran had lost his business. Uh, he started drinking. His girlfriend moved out. He literally put a bullet in the chamber of a gun and pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. He put another bullet in the chamber and it didn't go off. And then his phone rang and his dad said, son, I just went to this church, Awakened Church in San Diego. Please come with me. He wound up going. Uh, the church is defying the cease and desist orders that, that their county in California has put out. And he had a radical uh, encounter with God, uh, cleaned his, got, got cleaned up, got back with his girlfriend. Uh, I'm hearing about stories like that that also didn't end that way mm. of veterans that actually did take their own life. You know, so the, the masks is the tip of the iceberg. But for these draconian measures with these tyrant politicians to push this on the American people and then totally disregard it for themselves, it's absolutely disgusting to me. A lot of it seems to be borrowed from Europe too. I mean, you look at France right now, you're only allowed to like go outside and do stuff for an hour a day. And you have to make a little note of when your hour is. So if your government hall monitor finds you, you, you can say, oh, well, I've, I've got 12 minutes left to go and you know exercise or be out of the house. I mean, what is happening in, in the world right now where we, we, we put ourselves in these conditions? You know, the, the one thing that, that I hope so that we're not all doom and gloom is that these vaccines and cures do give us a light at the end of the tunnel. But what it means is that as we become healthier and more resilient to this virus, that we claim our freedom back and our rights and our liberty and that we don't just view this as government's perpetual march to control more things. Yeah, that's exactly what hopefully will happen. I know there, there's there been uh, some uh, increasing the 90, 90, 95% success rate with the vaccines. Dr. Ben Carson, you know, I know for a fact, he actually came out, he got COVID. He shared on social media that he was taking a powerful therapeutic. Uh, I went on Facebook to say, I know what it is because I'm good friends with Mike Lindell. He's really close with Ben Carson. Ben Carson was taking an oleander extract. The viewers and listeners can get that at myoleander.com. Uh, myoleander.com, the uh, Washington Post actually finally validated and came out with that story. Facebook hit me with a fact check and said, oh, since we can't verify it, it's false. But just uh, as, well as, as, well, as well as vaccines, there are also natural therapeutics that are out there. But I still don't think that it's going to, do you think it'll change anything with these Democrat governors and mayors that are pushing these lockdowns? Cuomo's just shut down the schools in New York City. Parents are yanking their kids out of school. I saw Megyn Kelly said she's moving out of the city because they were trying to indoctrinate with with some kind of a uh, uh, social justice, you know, training. Uh, it's just, it's chaotic. I, I, how did we even get here as a country and how will we get out of here? Well, it's the straight up woke-topian kind of nut job view of the world that is captivating some of these places. But David, the great thing about America is people actually vote with their feet. The most rapidly depopulating states in the country are the states run by Democrats. And guess where people are moving? Florida, Texas, Arizona, of yeah, course, places where, where you can realize that freedom and where we can seize that opportunity and see our fellow Americans prosper as a consequence. So you know, we got about 1,100 people a day who move to the state of Florida. They bring their hopes, their dreams, their ideas, and it makes our state a richer and more diverse, wonderful place as a consequence. And so I, I just think at the end of the day, like everywhere socialism has been tried, it's failed. And if yeah. they try it to a greater extent in cities and states in this country, it'll be a shame but it'll fail there too. And it's all the more reason why we have to sort of build a firewall in places like Florida, Texas, uh, and other places so that we can preserve that economic freedom. But a place where freedom has to exist more is online. And you mentioned, you know, Facebook tagging you 
Twitter has shadow banned me. Heck, they've labeled and censored and provided lenses for the commentary of the president of the United States. And yeah. I know it's something you and I have talked about a lot online or offline, I should say, because if we don't win this battle, if we don't push back against big tech so there can be a free exchange of ideas in the digital space, then we don't stand a chance to win any of these arguments, whether they're about a more focused foreign policy, a more economically nationalist domestic policy. Uh, we are not going to be able to contribute to the national discussion if a bunch of people out in Silicon Valley are, are able to define the four corners of debate. And as someone who is such a technician in this space, you've actually taught me a lot about the tools that they have to demonetize and harm those who might might push back against some dogmas, might uh, be a little different in their commentary than the folks in Silicon Valley would like. So maybe just, you know, if you don't mind me asking the question, David, help people understand how many tools Silicon Valley has to suppress people. So I will, Matt, thank you. I know we've had some some great talks offline and, and in person uh, about this. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with it again right now. So May of last year, 2019, I was growing by 40 to 50,000 um, new followers a month. And one week, I actually had 50,000 new followers in one week. And then everything just shut off. It all went, I, I wasn't reaching anybody almost overnight. My reach just was diminished. Uh, May of this year, I, that lasted for a year, a full year. May of this year, it just magically came back for whatever reason. It was like, we're going we're gonna to take our foot off of his neck uh, and allow him to just do his thing. And I grew by over 1.5, 1.6 million followers in, in the next three months. Uh, then it just hit me again. A month ago, they've just diminished my reach. You know, you, me as a content creator, I can earn revenue a little, I get paid a little bit of money for posting videos, videos that have ads in there. Uh, when I post a video and it's got ads in there, then it's a way for me to generate and, and get compensated for my efforts. Well, they could, they cut that off. They did for me. They did for Terrence Williams. They did for the Hodge twins. They did for Graham Allen. All of these patriotic Americans that support our president, they shut us all off, all of our monetization, all, over, almost overnight within a week or so of each other. Then they lower your reach uh, so that even the people that are seeing your posts, not as many people are seeing it. And they post it. They actually say, your page reach has been diminished because of, you know, you violated our community standards. What are these community standards? So the issue, and one thing, Matt, I really hope that you could help on with this. My friend, Jason Fick, at one point, he was bigger than BuzzFeed. Okay, he was bigger than BuzzFeed back in 2012. He had more followers than them. Uh, Facebook, unpublished, multiple pages of his, equivalent, which equated to about 12 million followers. And then they said they unpublished them because of the content. Then his friend, he was talking to one of his friend, a competitor, and they said, well, I've got a contact at Facebook because they were spending, you know, two or three hundred thousand dollars a year on ads with Facebook. Jason wasn't spending any money. So his friend and competitor had a contact at Facebook. He reached out to the contact at Facebook and said, hey, if I was to get these pages from Jason, would you republish them? Facebook says, yes, we'll, re we'll republish those pages if you own them. Now, mind you, they unpublish the pages because of the content of those pages. So then Facebook sends a, sends a representative to the meeting where when Jason sells the pages to his competitor, Facebook's there to say, yes, once you own them, we'll republish them. They republish the pages with all the same content. There has never been a case like this going, go, going to court that actually proves tortious interference and fraud. It had nothing whatsoever to do with the content of the pages. It had to do with who owned the pages. And he has just filed with the Supreme Court. The docket number is 20-632. 
uh, Justice Clarence Thomas actually cited, he wrote an opinion piece for a separate case and said, this is not the proper case for us to look at when it comes to Section 230. But if a case had, and he mentioned all the specific details of Jason's case that I just said was just submitted to the Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas said, if it has all of these issues, if it has all these points, that's the case that we need to look at because the Supreme Court's never looked at a case involving the CDA. So how in the world can we get enough heat from Bill Barr? Uh, I've reached out to Pam Bondi. I'm asking Bongino to get Jason on. How in the world can we get enough heat on Jason's case that's submitted to the Supreme Court so that the Supreme Court will actually look at it because it will break open CDA 230. It'll change how big tech is using it to do whatever they want, and it'll set a precedent for them to not be able to get away with all they're doing to you, me, and every other patriotic American out there. Well, I'll have to check out the details of that case, but we may need victories in court because, frankly, David, I'm not sure we're going to get them in Congress because too many exactly. members of Congress are bought off by big tech. And so exactly. I watch these hearings where the tech CEOs come in and, you know, they do the little back and forth with the members of Congress. And at the end of the day, the members of Congress are taking their money. And like, are you telling me that there's no strings attached? Like, is there a single American who believes that these big tech companies can funnel tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars to and through political committees, and that, that yeah. that's not going to impact how people make decisions. So uh, I think you're right to pursue an aggressive legal strategy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the remedies are, but I am increasingly disappointed in the Congress's ability to actually deal with like this major societal issue. This is not some small thing. I mean, no. you know what we're you know what we're voting on today, David. We're voting on whether or not tomorrow we're going to have another vote and how long we'll debate a bill tomorrow. That's what we're doing today, and yet we leave just like totally unencumbered the legislative space where we need to talk about how the digital world will interface with our fellow Americans. And frankly, wow. the other thing is it's because we've got a lot of boomers in Congress who don't really know how this technology works and they don't know right. how the suppression works that you just described. I mean, in perfect detail, I'm going to put that out on, on my social media platforms so people understand how the suppression mechanically works. And I'll ask you this. Do you think the goal of these social media companies is to force the self-censorship? So you get out there, you yes. tell the truth, you have viral moments, and a lot of the people that, that we talk to kind of fit within that category. And the goal maybe isn't totally to take you offline, but it's to make the viewer's experience with you different based on their mores. Absolutely. Absolutely, Congressman. Uh, I've had to self-censor, and I hate I mean, especially, can I just say it, especially as a black man, I hate anybody telling me what to do or what I can and cannot do, especially when it's the man, so to speak, obviously Zuckerberg, not saying it has anything to do with race. I'm just saying me as a person, period. I don't like people telling me what to do uh, and when, and especially self-censoring. So I've, I've already had to self-censor. There's so many topics that are taboo. Climate change is one of them. For two years, if I posted anything about climate change, they would give me a fake news strike and they would lower my reach, it just period. That I, I even posted a video of, of uh, Dan Pena, the billionaire, Hispanic billionaire that supports the president, and he was just sharing his opinion on it, and they gave me two strikes. See, so yeah, it's all about self-censoring, silencing me. To me, it's lynching me. It's lynching my voice, my ability to just say what I feel and what I believe on what should be an open and, and fair platform. 
And, and you, you just have to wonder how many of our fellow Americans who might not have your platform feel about that. You know, how many people just say, well, yeah. you know, I can't really get out there and say what I believe. And, and by the way, that doesn't mean we all have to agree on everything. I want right. a marketplace of ideas where we disagree. And the First Amendment's not just here to cover speech that we like, that's rosy and comfortable. It's actually here to protect speech that's uncomfortable, sometimes even speech that's offensive. And what's the point of having the First Amendment in the non-digital world if in the digital space, we all have to deal with the fact that Twitter or Facebook is going to be the judge, jury, and executioner on their version of the truth? I'm not here for that. We're a dynamic country because we're willing to disagree and we're willing to put out our thoughts and ideas and subject them to criticism and review. Um, and I, I think we've really lost that with this generation. I mean, do you also see the general generational element to this, that like younger people kind of get it, that if we surrender this ground as conservatives, we'll never get it back because more and more kind of the, the boomer led Congress thinks, well, you know, if you don't like Twitter, leave Twitter. And it, it just doesn't work that way when, no. when you're talking about the scale that these digital platforms have achieved. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and yeah, unfortunately I think the millennials, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing and they're stuck in the middle uh, if they're seeing and recognizing, it depends on who they're listening to. You know, I've had a lot of parents actually tell me that they've turned their their teenagers or or kids in their 20s onto my show, onto my podcast because it's woke them up because they were listening to the mainstream media. They're listening to culture and what culture says, who these pop icons, who these celebrities and what they say, and they get sucked into it and they don't realize and understand that our First Amendment and our constitutional rights are literally being sifted from us slowly until they're not there. So I'm, 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 I'm weary of, of the fact that there's not as many voices out there like yours, like your podcast. I got to plug your podcast. I love your podcast. I hope everybody gets out there. Subscribe to Hot Takes with Matt Gates on Spotify, iTunes, your favorite uh, podcast player, Hot Takes with Matt Gates. It's an amazing, amazing podcast. There's not enough of us out there. Uh, I think sharing it. And that is the goal. That's the ultimate goal of social media and big tech is to silence the voices like ours that are out there speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. No, you're totally right. And again, if we don't win this fight, we can't win many others. And I think that, that we've got a lot to resolve in this country, you know, when it comes to the direction we're taking to embrace markets and capitalism and success. And uh, let's hope that we've got the ability to at least go make the argument, David. Yeah, that's exactly what we have to hope for. Matt, you know what? What's your gut feeling? Do you think that uh, do you think Trump's going to pull this off? You think there'll be enough of corruption and uh, fraud exposed that we'll get this uh, turned in the president's favor? The key question is, can Georgia fall? Because if we are able to show that there were uncounted ballots, miscounted ballots at sufficient scale to flip Georgia, then I think that the American people will wake up to the fact that the media has been lying to them and there'll be tougher questions in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada. I mean, you know, I didn't think it'd be all that controversial to say in this country that people should only vote in one state, that they should only <laughs> vote once, that they yeah. shouldn't vote after death. Like these are things we should probably all agree on. And I think that the key will be getting one of these states to uh, achieve sufficient scale that we get that remedy to flip it. And then I think the, uh, the cascading effect could be substantial. So in, 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 a, in simple words, it's not over. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it can ever be over when it comes to preserving the integrity of the vote. And I absolutely believe president Trump has a number of very ripe legal claims still to be resolved. Yeah, I agree with you, my brother. I'm so thankful for you, your voice, 
and for you being in Congress. Hopefully you stay in politics for a long time. Uh, hopefully we keep the Senate. Hopefully we get President Trump in because I definitely would love to see you run for president. Uh, oh my gosh. Day. Oh my God. And that'll definitely get censored. That'll, that'll, <laughs> of all the controversial stuff we've said and talked about, that'll be the one that gets whacked. But hey, thank you for being such a, a, a vibrant, unique voice for liberty and freedom. We got to keep it up. And don't you be self-censored too much, David. I want the raw, uncut, unfiltered version of you. I'm here for it. All right, brother. I'll try to bring it. And and for and one more for Firebrand. If you have not gotten Matt's book, Firebrand, dispatches from the front lines of the MAGA revolution. Get Matt's book uh, on your favorite, uh, you know, your favorite book book bookstore. Support that. And Matt, thank you so much, Congressman Matt Gates, for taking some time out of your busy day to bring us some truth from behind the lines. All right, thank you, man. All right, God bless, friends. I really hope that you uh, share this podcast, share this episode. Uh, love Congressman Matt Gates and everything that he brings to the table. We need more of uh, people hearing what he has to say. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast, Hot Takes with Matt Gates, and get his book. Support him and uh, keep on believing. It is not over. We will win this fight. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.